300 years ago, the Enlightenment broke out in Western Europe. The Enlightenment was a time of new knowledge, new understanding, of pursuing that which was inherent within uh, the world, of, of understanding how the world worked and how it was all put together. It gave birth to a time of hope where people expected that out of the enlightenment, out of that knowledge, the world would be a better place. We could solve the problems of the world and we could get to the place where all the world's problems would have been solved and gone. Unfortunately, the 20th century happened. In the 20th century, more people were killed in wars than than were killed in the previous 19th century. And that gave rise to a cynicism. Hope disappeared into failure. Humanity, instead of building a greater world and building utopia, ended up trying to destroy itself. And we live in a postmodern world that now realizes that such big stories of solving the Earth's problems in that kind of way are not going to happen. We see chaos in the political and economic world all around us. We see chaos in our own situation. We see chaos. Across the Western world, we see chaos in the developing world. We see difficulty. We see struggle. Because the problem is the human heart. You can't solve the problems of the human heart with knowledge or with technical solutions. I want to give some statistics. Almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than £2.25 a day. At least 80% of humanity live on less than £8 a day. More than 80% of the world's population lives in countries where income differentials are widening. The poorest 40% of the world's population accounts for 5% of global income. The richest 20% accounts for three-quarters of the world's income. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. And they die quietly in some of the poorest villages on earth, far removed from the scrutiny and the conscience of the world. Some 1.1 billion people in developing countries have inadequate water or access to water, and 2.6 billion lack basic sanitation. You only have to travel in the developing world to see the truth of some of these things, as I have done. It's long been feared that human activity is causing massive extinctions. Despite increased efforts at conservation, it's not been good enough, and biodiversity losses continue. The polar caps are melting at an alarming rate due to global warming, affecting the polar ecosystem, and especially wildlife such as polar bears. The climate is changing. The earth is warming up. And there is now overwhelming scientific consensus that it's happening, and it's human-induced with global warming on the increase and species and their habitats on the decrease, chances for ecosystems to adapt naturally are diminishing. Many are agreed that climate change may be one of the greatest threats facing the planet. Recent years show increasing temperatures in various regions and or increasing extremities in weather patterns are all adding to this. And all of this is happening regardless of what Donald Trump or anyone else might say. And all of this illustrates the negative impact of living in a fallen world where people and nations live selfish lives. However, that's not what we created for. That's not what we were put on this earth for. We believe that God has created each one of us for purpose. 
From right from the beginning, humanity was given a role in God's world. And the role is in two parts, and it's spelled out for us in the Bible. The first part was to fill the earth, and the second part was to care for the earth, to steward it on God's behalf. So we have the responsibility not just of multiplying, but also of looking after this uh, planet on God's behalf. The first one, the multiplication bit, we've done in abundance. I travelled to India, and India has over 1.2 billion people just in that one continent. Huge multiplication. The second one, we've not done so well. Made in God's image and God's likeness, we were commissioned to take his glory into every part of the earth so that the earth could reflect his glory. However, through our selfishness, the image of God has been spoiled and marred. It's still there, but it's become corrupted through our actions and we see the consequences in the world all around us. So what's all this got to do with three people going into a pool this morning? Baptism is a Christian symbol that signifies the beginning of a new life. We believe that God loves this world and that he's not given up on humanity. Or upon Bella. (laughs) To that end... He sent his son, Jesus, the Messiah, the rescuer, to bring rescue to humanity, to rescue the world. And his purpose in coming was to show us a different way to live. Not for ourselves, but for God and for our fellow beings. He came to reconnect us with God. And with our divine purpose, uh, and, and with our divine purpose, through taking away all that has ruined our relationship with God, And he gave us an example to follow by laying down his life for us. He came to get us back on track with our purpose, the purpose for which we were created. And because he had done nothing wrong to deserve death, death couldn't hold him. And so he rose again from the dead. And this action of dying and rising was to reconnect us to God and to our purpose in working with him to restore humanity, to restore the earth by making known his love and his purposes to all who listen. And so baptism is symbolic of Jesus' death and resurrection. Just as he died and went into the grave and then rose again. So we believe that when we come, become, come to faith and come to reconnect with God, we too die to the life that's gone. We're dying to the past. We're dying to selfishness. We're dying to our self-centeredness. We're dying to a past that lives only for ourselves. And we're coming alive again to a new life that's going to be lived to seek to fulfill the purposes of God, to look after his earth and to reconnect people with God. It's a powerful symbol that says the old is gone, the new has come, and my life is no longer the same. I'm a new person and I'm going to live my life from this point on in a new way. It's symbolic of death to self. It's following Jesus in the path that he went. And so when these people go under the water, it's symbolic of their own death. The death of their old life, lived for selfish purposes. And when they come up from the water, it's symbolic of their own resurrection from the dead. Resurrection to a new way of living, not for self, but to God and to make his love known. So as each one goes under the water, think about that. The old is gone. This is the start of a new life, a new way of living, and a new journey of hope and of faith. Secondly, it's a public declaration of faith. 
It's to say to everybody who's come and gathered here that I, that I no longer wish to live as I used to, but that now I will live to fulfill my God-given purpose in this earth, to steward the earth on his behalf and to make known his love to others. And so they will each follow the example of Jesus in the way they live and they will be his eyes and his hands and his feet in the world. And when we strip back, all um, strip it all back, this is what it actually means to be a Christian. To live as Jesus lived. To be his hands, his feet, his eyes, reaching out to those who are hurt and lost and damaged in this world. The third thing it declares is membership of the church. Membership of the church isn't about signing on a piece of paper. Paul declares in Romans chapter 6, when you come out of the water of baptism, that commits you to being part of the body which God has left on earth to make known his love. This is membership. This is initiation. This is the beginning of a journey of faith with others. And then the fourth thing to say, we believe it's for people who know what they're doing. We don't believe children in children being baptized because children don't make their own decisions. It's a decision for somebody to make, having come to that position where they're willing to trust God with their lives, with their future, with their destiny. And they say, right, I'm now ready. So we don't baptize children. We only baptize people who have come to that understanding. And so you'll see three people today who have come to that understanding. Two of them are going to go under the water and come out. One isn't because of a disability, and we're going to do it by pouring water over our head. But nevertheless, it's the symbolic action that is the important thing. And so we're going to do that in a couple of moments. But if you want to know anything more about what I've been talking about, Sean has already mentioned the uh, life after life. And then following that, we're running a six-week course called Rediscovery, which you've also got leaflets about, which is about understanding uh, what our faith is all about. You come along, you have a meal, we have a presentation and a discussion. Nobody's views are made fun of. It's an open discussion for anybody wanting to come on that journey of faith. And if you want details uh, to know more about that, see myself or Peter here at the front afterwards. So we're coming to that point now where we're going to see these people make this commitment, make this public declaration and follow Jesus, the path that Jesus himself set through death and resurrection, and we will see them come to their new life in Christ. So I'm going to ask Natalie to come up and play something, while a few of us who need to are going to go and get changed. And then when we've come back in, if we want to gather around the pool at the back, giving room for those who need to be baptized to get there, we'll carry on through with the ceremony.